Hey you, welcome to Her Defined, the podcast dedicated to the woman who's still trying to figure it all out when it comes to her career. I'm your host, Juliana, who has just as ambitious career goals as you do. So let's achieve ours together. Join me each week for a conversation with a compelling businesswoman or entrepreneur. Keep listening as I'm sure her advice and insight will assist you in defining your own means of success. Welcome back to Her to Find. I hope you're all doing well. Recently, I've been having feelings of inadequacy with it be my job, my life, just in general. And I think most of that is due to the fact that I turned 26 last week. And I've just been reflecting a lot on where I am currently at in my life. Also, just me realizing that I'm closer to 30 now than I am to 20 is very daunting. I don't know if I like it very much, but here we are. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever had feelings of inadequacy, particularly with your career or in your job? Whenever I feel something that I don't have the answers to, of course, one, I turn to other women, ask their insight, their advice. I mean, that's the whole reason behind her to find. But two, I will turn to Google and try to find some meaning behind my feelings. And I actually found a really interesting article from Forbes that put into perspective that success doesn't have to be measured by how many things you have achieved or how many goals you've hit. And we actually touch on this in last week's episode with Nuria. So if you missed that, take a listen after this episode. I always look at how much farther I have to go and never sit and realize and celebrate how far I've come. And I'm always looking at the checklist or the goals that I've hit. And I'm just sort of like, once I've achieved them, I never take the time to really sit down and appreciate them. I'm just like, okay, on to the next. And I don't think that that is how success should be. And Forbes puts it really succinct and says, try to think about success in terms of quality as opposed to picturing it as a quantitative commodity. There's no yardstick for professional success. So you're where you are in your career because you earned your way there and not because you're in a certain percentile or got a certain score or had a certain amount of boxes checked off or hit however many goals. You're there because you've earned it. So that's just my little reminder for you, also to myself, in case you are in need of it. Today's guest has also felt the same way and opens up about her depression and feelings of imposter syndrome in addition to burnout due to COVID-19. Founded in August 2020 by Darlene Gahiti, System is a professional home organization service based in Toronto, Ontario. Darlene works together with the everyday millennial by organizing spaces inspired by intentional living, functionality, and clean lines. Her main concepts within her work include minimizing clutter, establishing new layouts, and reshaping your milieu. What she aims to achieve with each of her clients is creating a collaborative experience in providing a more efficient and organized living space. She works with her clients on establishing strategies that are customized to their lifestyle, which enables them to realistically integrate these changes into their everyday routine. In this episode, Darlene discusses how she looked on the bright side and the silver lining of being laid off during last year's pandemic. She outlines her minimalistic approach and how it has changed her life and what goes into running a professional organizational business. Thanks so much for joining me today, Darlene. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's Sunday. Like it's nice. The weather's nice out today. So, but I'm glad to be sitting here with you. And it's Mother's Day. Did you do anything for Mom's Day? Not yet. Currently at my partner's place, but I plan on heading on over to see my mom afterwards. Probably going to bring her a cake or something. That's nice. 
Love it. Let's start off. Can you discuss what you were doing and the jobs that you held and your experiences with those prior to starting System? So before I started System, I actually had a career plan of pursuing social work. So I ended up getting my diploma at George Brown College in Toronto. Afterwards, I worked in nonprofits serving vulnerable youth within low-income communities. And then after working a couple of years in the field, I loved working in social work. I loved the people that I got to meet. I worked, I loved working with the young people that I got to communicate with on a daily basis. But a lot of the positions that I was qualifying for were contract positions. And it's fairly common for that in nonprofits. So it was hard going from one job to another, especially when a lot of these positions were dependent on funding. So then I ended up doing a complete 180 and I ended up making the decision to transition into doing administrative roles in within the corporate world. So I worked in like a ton of different settings, like in finances, doing like legal billing. And my last most recent position before starting system was in architecture. So Yeah, I really loved it over there. So throughout these positions, I kind of went into autopilot. Like I didn't find doing a lot of the work fulfilling. I wasn't passionate about a lot of this stuff. I didn't feel like I had like a sense of purpose. So then I knew that I wanted more for myself, but I didn't know exactly what that was. So then back in July of 2020, the last year, I ended up getting laid off from my admin assistant position with the architecture firm. Um, due to COVID, like unfortunate, I fell upon what everyone else was going through during the time. So pretty much after a day of crying and then having to go back to the office to collect my belongings and then having a full-blown anxiety attack of about money, because I'm just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I ended up thinking about a conversation I had about five years ago with one of the last places I've worked at with a client who was a partner at like this major financial firm. And honestly, it was one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten when I was doing a lot of these entry level positions. He told me that if a job no longer challenges you and pushes you to learn new skills, you've pretty much outgrown that job and it's time to move forward. He told me to to don't settle because you're comfortable in the position. He told me to always be willing to learn and to want to grow professionally. So because I'm that kind of person who just tries to see the silver lining with every situation, I kind of ended up seeing my layoff as a sign uh, that the position no longer served me professionally. And I was given the opportunity to really explore my career path and to find what I was truly passionate about because I was never really given that opportunity from going from one stagnant position to another stagnant position, right? Wow. We are so lucky as millennials or Gen Zers or whatever you want to call us that we have the ability to go from several jobs, from job to job. Our parents definitely always had just one position or maybe two, but they never really stayed at a job for maybe two or three years and then moved to a different job. They always just stuck it out. 
And I think that is a bit of a fault because like you said, if it's not fulfilling you anymore, then it is your sign to move on and then find new learning experiences from a completely different job or maybe a completely different career like you. And I think that's really important. Yeah, like I grew up learning about that whole timeline of finishing school, find a career, get married, buy a house, have a family, like that very like old school way of living, right? So I used to want to find a position where I could work long term at and retire at, which is fairly common with our parents back in the day, right? But now I think with our generation, it's much different. Like we want something much more fulfilling. And a lot of people in our age bracket are very focused on wanting to develop more professionally and really focusing on, I guess, self-growth and professional development, right? Whereas like people in the past was more so focusing on like survival, I guess you can say rather than really finding that true like happiness career-wise. Elaborate on how you became interested in professional organizing. I've always had a special connection with my environment. Um, My space, specifically my bedroom, is a reflection of where my head is at. Like I've always find my bedroom my safe place. So I've always been known to be like the tidy one or the one with a bit of an an eye for design in my circle of friends. So I was constantly changing the layout of my bedroom growing up. And I've always been like very particular with everything in my space. And each area had a specific purpose, right? And then that's with every environment that I've had, like in my workspaces, in my living spaces, I've always just been very particular. So from there, like, so during my early 20s, I really struggled with my mental health. I went through a really dark, deep depression for, to the point where I never left my room. My laundry basket was overflowing. Like, I had clothes everywhere. There were bill statements, books on the floor, on my table. I was, like, literally from my bed from the morning until night, and I never got out of bed. So from there, that's when I eventually learned about the concept of minimalism. So I got the help that I needed and then slowly began creating structure in my life again. With minimalism, I find that there's this misconception that you need to get rid of everything and to live with literally just like food, water, and whatever you may like identify as essentials, right? But my interpretation of minimalism is that it's the idea of letting go of things that don't serve a purpose and to make room for the things that matter to you most. And by taking on this concept of minimalism in my own life, it taught me to think critically and to know where to invest my energy in and to also appreciate what I already have. So it became a lifestyle for me and that's how I've been able to implement that into my own spaces. So after being laid off, I ended up becoming a broken record to my partner and my best friend about finding myself and determining my career path. And then it was my best friend who brought up the idea of professional organizing and she thought I would thrive in that. Like I knew there were people like Marie Kondo in the world and I didn't even know that you can make a career out of it. So other people maybe like looking into different career paths ended up like deep diving into Google about professional organizers and I thought like wow this is exactly what I was meant to do 
like I've already had experience organizing people's lives, both physically and digitally throughout all my administrative jobs. So I knew that I would already be happy doing this because I was already living a concept of organizing my own life and embracing the ideas of minimalism for such a long time. So I knew this would be a perfect fit. I think it is such an interesting career because when I, I found you, I was like, there's no way that this girl's a professional organizer. That is so <laughs> cool. I'm also very particular about like my own space. And I, I definitely live by that mindset of if it's not serving you, then you, you don't really need it in your life when it comes to anything, but also physical items in my home. I'm like, just get rid of it, pitch it. But I just loved the fact that you were a professional organizer, I thought it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely an up and coming um, market, with especially like people like the home edit out there, like with that with their whole uh, premiere of their show. So, if I felt like it was the perfect time to really get into this to this market, with no prior business experience, you got system up and running within a month. What kind of research did you conduct to find out as much information as possible with starting a business? What are your tips for effective researching and finding legitimate resources? So because I worked different admin jobs, I was already familiar with certain paperwork and just like back-end operations. So um, I already knew kind of what I had to look for. Like, for example, like if you have intentions of registering your business, which is, I think it's super important to do for tax purposes, you need to know what kind of ownership you'll have. Like, for example, for me, I'm a sole proprietorship, meaning I'm responsible for everything in my business. Uh, you need to know if you need to register for a GST or HST account through the CRA. And that's also depending on the amount of income that you make on an annual basis, right? Also, I recommend looking into opening a separate bank account for your business. For example, if you're like, you don't want your, if you have a side business and you have, let's say like a full-time job somewhere else or just any sort of personal income, you don't want mixing between the two. So for example, like if you're a service-based business like me, you need to look into liability insurance to protect yourself um, when you work with different clients. So there's all these like little technical things that you have to think about before starting a business. So once I got into familiarizing myself with the process of registering my business, I began to do market research. So I looked into the demand of what's going on with professional organizing and the popularity of professional organizing as well. So I researched if there needed to be any sort of certifications or if there's any associations that had to partake in. I did research about the competitors in my city, which helped me determine my rates that I should be charging. Literally, Google was my best friend. <laughs> yeah. So I really had to dig deep and just kind of find out what I was missing what was missing in the industry and how I could fill that gap when I entered this industry. So I really had to manage my time within that month and gave myself strict deadlines on gathering research. Personally, I found the government website to be super helpful with finding information on how to register your business. But there are services out there that could help you with learning how to start your business and 
assist with the registration process. And also, I think it's really important to connect with other entrepreneurs and talk about their experience with starting a business. And if you don't have those connections yet, I found myself like watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts of entrepreneurs and learning about their experience and what to look for. So I highly, highly recommend joining different entrepreneur groups on Facebook. That's really what helped me um, kind of get my foot off the ground. And I found them super helpful whenever I had a question in mind, too. As much as I hate Facebook, I think that the community groups are so useful. Like that's honestly one of the only reasons I'm still on Facebook is for the community groups that I'm currently in. They are a wealth of knowledge and information. And also, yeah, you can connect with people that are doing the same thing that you're doing or striving to to achieve the same sort of goals that you have. A lot of people that I've learned to connect with have been super helpful. Like I feel like there's such a sense of community within like the realm of entrepreneurship I feel like well the people that I've countered anyway that it's more so about community over competition and I feel that a lot of the people want to see you succeed and want to see you thrive within your business so that's how my experience has been so far within these like community groups on Facebook so I highly recommend them if you're looking for a sense of like community especially when you're starting out your own business and you don't really know what to look for. Describe the feeling of booking your first client after working so hard to launch your business. Oh my gosh, I was ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe that like someone found me off the internet. That's crazy. That's so satisfying. Right? Like they were interested in my services and like wanting to trust me with their space. So I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome and really believing that I deserve certain accomplishments. Like sometimes I like to think that I kind of fall into my successes in life when really it's just like I worked hard to get to where I am. But like sometimes I still believe like, really, did I actually do that? What I did to celebrate that is like I ended up eating a ton of junk food with my partner on the weekend and doing a little victory dance with my dog when I finalized all the paperwork. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. Take us through and outline a typical professional organization session. So what consists of it and what do you offer? I actually offer three different kinds of services at the moment, which focuses within the home. So I do in-home sessions, I do virtual services, and I do product sourcing services, which is pretty much me going out and finding products for you and doing all the shopping for you. The most popular service out of the three is the in-home sessions that I do. So Before any organizing or coaching that gets done, I schedule a home assessment with the client. So this is how I get to know the client on a deeper level and to assess their space. I usually send a questionnaire prior to the appointment to get to know their habits and their current lifestyle. So in this session, I take pictures of their space, which helps me plan the whole final result. And also I take measures measurements of everything in their space that they'd like to work on. So afterwards, we sit down and then discuss their project goals and what their intentions are with the space. And then we go over their questionnaire and I have them elaborate on certain answers they give on the questionnaire. And then together we come up with a plan on how many sessions it may take, estimated costs for products if they choose to have me shop for their products. And 
what the sessions would look like on the days I do come in. So once the client is happy with what I discussed, we schedule the dates and I send over my paperwork and then invoice for a deposit fee. So then on the actual day of my session, my process consists of three steps. So it involves minimizing your space, which is known to some as decluttering or purging, establishing new layouts, which involves sorting and categorizing your belongings within your space, and reshaping your milieu, which involves the process of organizing. So my style of service is very collaborative. There's a coaching aspect to my service where I really like to involve my client in the process because what I would like them to do is to learn to maintain their space after the work has been done. So for me, I'm all about long-term solutions rather than the band-aid solution of coming in and doing everything for them. Because at the end of the day, the client will be living and moving through their space. So it's so easy for them to kind of fall back into those habits after I come and redo their space. And then they're just like, yeah, I'm not really happy with this. And then they put it back to where it was before. And then it becomes this whole cycle, right? For me, it's as much as I would love my clients to keep coming back to me whenever they need me, at the end of the day, I want what's best for them and to be able to learn these habits, these healthier habits, because I want the space to work for them and for their pace of life. But also I want my service to also enhance it in a way for them to create more purposeful decisions, like in the long run. What did you learn from launching and then running a business during a pandemic? It taught me to be flexible, resilient, and very quick thinking. Because within, because I live in Toronto, so I live in Ontario, and these lockdowns have been insane. I don't know. They like one day we're open, another day we're not open. It's just like I've learned to really just work with the current climate of things and I'm glad that I was able to kind of prepare myself for different situations like that. Also, I've learned how to juggle different roles within my business. Not only do I own my business, but also I'm I'm the main point of contact. I handle all my calendars, a makeshift graphic designer, um social media manager. I I pretty much do everything like across the sun for my business. So I got an opportunity to learn these new skills and educating myself in ways that I wasn't able to before. I've learned to also celebrate small wins and just to take care of myself mentally during the pandemic. Like burnout has been very, very common these days for a lot of people. So I really took into account to really making sure that I take care of myself during the pandemic. And also just being very aware of my work boundaries because I work my own hours when it comes to my business. It's so easy to kind of like, there's this gray area of knowing when to be in communication with clients or when to be on social media, when it's relating to your business. So it's just like setting those work boundaries was really a big thing for me when I started running this business, especially during this pandemic, when you have a lot of the free time going on. 
You had to secure a part-time job during the second lockdown as you were still booking clients, but not enough for a sustainable income. What was that like? Was it difficult for you to come to terms with having to then go back and get a part-time job when you had just created this business and this career for yourself? Well, I first told everyone that I was going to be starting my own business and doing like becoming like an entrepreneur and then having to go back and say, all right, like things are slow. I have to get a part-time job because I'm not making enough income to pay my bills. Like I, I went through this whole process of feeling like I failed and that I'm not being successful in my business and I should just quit and just fall back into like a comfortable space of getting a job that could provide us a sustainable income. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions about working another job while running a business. And I think first, I think it's okay to to embrace that idea, that, that feeling of failure. But at the same time, when it comes to resiliency, you're going to have to fail to in, in order for you to succeed, right? So I think with me getting another job during this pandemic, especially with these lockdowns happening, and a lot of my success has been through the in-home services, it was tough for me to accept that. But at the same time, I think it's also okay that you need to do these sorts of things in order to be able to move forward and grow your own personal business, right? So like no one really talks about the hardships of running a business or being an entrepreneur and having to be okay, being realistic and finding or seeking another job in order to support yourself. Because at the end of the day, like as much as I want to be like, yeah, I was that tough entrepreneur who like went through being broke and then now making all this money, like, like you don't have to have that success story all the time. Not everyone has to be that sort of idea of being an entrepreneur. Like you're going to have those rough times. You're going to have to seek other ways of making income. And then, and you know what? And that's okay. Yeah, I think it's really admirable that, like you said, you weren't just like, oh, I blazed through the pandemic. I didn't need to take on a second job. I was totally fine. Like, it's really nice that you put your ego aside and was like, yeah, I need help right now. But that's not to say that this business I've created isn't amazing and great and that it won't flourish or continue to flourish after this pandemic. Exactly. It's a really weird time for a lot of businesses right now. So I think we need to really be gentle with ourselves and just be okay with the fact that like, yeah, I do need that further assistance in order for me to thrive, not only my business, but be able to live a like sustainable like lifestyle. Like at the end of the day, we all need to eat we all need to pay rent we got to do what we need to do right in order especially living in the city like toronto where everything is just like like priced like so expensively so like you gotta do it and honestly that's okay 
Now you're working a full-time job while running your business. So what tips can you give listeners on how you do it all or how do you manage your time effectively? You talked a little bit about this with creating boundaries about the time you invest into your business and with social media and when you like say, okay, that's enough. But do you have anything else that you can add? Honestly, I think it's really, truly staying organized with your time management. I really highly suggest implementing a calendar or a planner and really blocking off times to not only like do the things that you need to do to get things done, but also blocking off time to do your self-care, to have that free time. Because some people focus on blocking off time to, to get work done. But I think it's really important to block off time for you and to have that free time to be like, okay, I'm blocking off this time to this time to say that I'm out of office and I won't be responding to emails or any sort of client inquiries or just anything relating back to now to my once part-time position to now full-time position. So by doing that, when I'm juggling both of these positions, like with now my full-time job and now my business, so literally from like 7.30 in the morning to like 4.30 in the afternoon is my full-time job. And then once I'm done my full-time job, I go into dealing with my business from like 4.30 to 9 or 10 o'clock at night. So once I'm done my full-time job, I instantly turn off all work notifications relating to that job. So then whatever else needs to be dealt with could be only could be dealt with the next day. So my full focus is on my business. So also what I think is important is to make sure that you dedicate, like I said, blocked off time to dedicate a day to yourself. So typically Sundays are my rest days. I don't do any sort of work-related social media. I don't answer emails typically. I really just disengage digitally because a lot of the work I have to do is online. Usually Sundays are my days where I hang out with my dog, hang out with my partner. Usually I veg out a potato and just like sit on my butt and watch Netflix all day. And like, I love naps. Naps are like my self-care. Like (laughs) I totally go into full out potato mode. So yeah, I think it's really important to really manage your time and be okay with setting those boundaries in place because if you don't that's how you burn yourself out that's how you end up not wanting to work or just yeah you just end up you don't want to work overwork yourself pretty much do you ever feel like you you feel burnt out and if you do how do you deal with it I have like such a a long-term relationship with burnout because like for example like throughout my 20s I especially working with admin jobs it's so easy to overwork yourself and naturally me as a person I used to be such a yes person I used to be like someone to take on more than I should like someone who said yes to everyone and be like yeah totally I could totally take it on like I used to be that person and I didn't manage my time well enough to to take those breaks for myself. I was awful taking breaks because I want to make sure that everything that I agreed to get done was being completed. So 
as I got older and as I continued to work these different admin positions, I've learned to set boundaries and be okay with saying no when you're being pushed to your limit. I think that it's really important to listen to your body. Like when your body's tired, sometimes I have to, even to this day, like I have to set reminders on my phone to remember to eat because sometimes I'm to get so engaged with my work. Like I have timers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's really awful to say that, but it's just like as someone who gets really like, who naturally just likes to dive into work, you need to make those reminders to yourself to, you need to eat, you need a rest. So I think being okay with saying no and setting those boundaries in place and are super important. And I think it's also being okay with seeking support with talking to loved ones when you're stressed out. I highly suggest therapy. I love therapy. Therapy. I love it. Honestly, in every episode we've talked about, (laughs) go to therapy. (laughs) It's so great. Honestly, therapy. Great. I recommend it to everyone. Like, I always tell people, go to therapy. Therapy's great. And I love it when you get, like, a third-person perspective of someone looking into your life without any judgment. And you can just be totally honest about a like a ton of things that you may not be able to have with certain loved ones, right? Because they may be coming from like a biased opinion. It's super important boundaries. That's all I have to say is just really important to send those boundaries. Be okay with saying no, say no. Especially with the full-time job that I'm working right now, it's, it's quite demanding. So just being transparent with other people with where you're at with your workload is so important too. So how do you define success or what is your definition of success? When I think of this question, because you're not the first person who's asked me, it's just like, how do you define success? What does that look like to you? Like success can mean like a multitude of things, right? Like accomplishing your long-term goals, doing something you're passionate about, or like having to hit rock bottom before reaching to the top. Like for me anyway, like success is, to continuously try despite the end result. So it's just like, if you think of that quote by Wayne Gretzky, but I like to think it's by Michael Scott, because I love the office so much. <laughs> but, but if you, like you miss 100%, 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So it's just like that initial risk and just going for it. Because if you don't go for it, you, you will never know what you could have achieved. Right. You're definitely a failure if you don't go for it. <laughs> exactly. And you don't want to be left wondering for the rest of your life of like, what if I, like, what if I took that chance? And what if this? What if that? Like, yeah. So that's how I define success anyway. It's just to just keep trying, right? Because you just never know. But Michael Scott for the win. <laughs> You recently mentioned on your Instagram that you're going through a rebrand. What does this consist of? Yeah, so it's pretty much going back to square one of redefining my personal brand. So my interpretation of a personal brand is how you want to present yourself to your audience and creating a look and a feel and an experience when people think or see your brand. So because of the third lockdown that Ontario is experiencing right now, I really thought I could take this time to really think about what it is that I'd like to achieve with my personal brand 
and how I would like to connect with my audience on social media and with also potential clients. So I want to give a shout out to Daniela Ornelas Design because that's who I'm working with at the moment. And right now we're currently working on my brand assets and we're just kind of creating mood boards together on trying to figure out what exactly my brand's going to look like moving forward. So that's what I'm working on right now. So I'm super excited about it. What would be your top organizational tip on making a space functional? Honestly, less is more. It is so much easier to create a functional space when you only have items that you truly need in that space. Like the last thing you want is to be playing Tetris with a bunch of stuff, right? And trying to figure out how to make everything fit. Like I always suggest, if you can, declutter your space. And if you can't, then you really need to figure out how to really assemble your place in a way that is not overwhelming and it's not essentially a storage space. You don't want to be living in a storage space. You want to be living in a space that feels like home. So I always tell clients that declutter as much as you can and honestly, less is more because if, especially when you have something that's multifunctional and you can use it in several different ways, it definitely is not only time saving, but it's also space saving as well. In relation to your business and your career, what matters most to you? What matters most to me is being happy at what I do and not feeling like I'm working a single day of my life. Like sometimes I'm going to have to do things I don't want to do, but I need to do in order to achieve that. Like for example, currently working my full-time job. But at the end of the day, like when you actually reach towards the goal that you've been working towards, it ends up being so much more rewarding when you get to do what you want to do in the long run. So yeah, I I think that's what's most important to me anyway, just based on my own experience throughout my professional career. What are you currently reading or consuming? You said you love Netflix. Are you watching anything specific right now? Yes, I have been binge watching Kim's Convenience right now. Oh, that's a good one. I finally started watching it last week and I just finished season four, like today actually. And I'm so sad, and, and, but it's kind of concerning that I was able to finish all four seasons. That's an accomplishment. I know, right? I'm like, should I be proud of that? I don't know. But there's this, I decided to watch it because there's this gift of kimchi kind of doing this, like, kind of two fingers gunshot thing where he's like, boop, 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 sort of thing. And I send that all the time whenever people are just like, celebrating something so it's just like I always send that gift and I never knew where it was from and then when I found out it was from Kim's Convenience I was just like okay that is what I'm watching it's meant to be I love responding to messages with gifts that's the way for me to communicate it's like I love it it's like I can't express myself through words sometimes like as much as I would love to send a video of my face to everyone I just don't it would really deliver it but yeah, so that's what I'm currently watching. But I'm also reading Minimal or For Simple and Sustainable Living by Stephanie 
Mandria and Lori Barrett. It's kind of like a coffee table book, but it really focuses on how to be more sustainable and they, they provide tips on more eco-friendly, like cleaning products or how to like be more resourceful with certain items. It's a pretty cool book so far. And I have been listening to the After 30 podcast. And my favorite song at the moment that I've been listening to nonstop whenever I'm working is Come Home by Anderson Pack featuring Andre 3000. Really cool song. Yeah. I love that. I love how you gave a little bit of everything, like a podcast, a song, a book, and a Netflix show. I'm very, very thorough, Darlene. I'm like the definition of what today's millennial is. I'm like consuming all kinds of things. I love it though. I always feel like you can get a better understanding of someone if you just ask them, what are you into right now? That's so interesting. It gives a full insight as to who they are. What are you currently working on or what are you looking forward to? From us talking, you mentioned you are working on some exciting projects that you hope to release near the end of the year or the beginning of next year. Do you want to give us a teaser of any of those or, or what are you excited about? At the moment, I'm working on my rebrand with Danielle Ornelas Design. So that's what I'm working on right now, which I'm hoping to launch everything by mid-June, which includes, I know it's been tight deadlines so far, but I thrive off of it. So I'm hoping to release my, my website and also new logo, everything by mid-June. And I won't give away too much, but I'm currently working on releasing my own product. So I'm in the process of researching materials and designing, I guess, looks of it. So I'm just currently just trying to figure out just the whole process of that because I tried to release products in the past. Well, I had plans to, but that didn't end up working out with the current situation with COVID. So yeah, just really taking my time with that. I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like I can sort of see a glimmer in the distance of us getting out of this. So, I mean, it's great that you're thinking about all of this now and, and taking your time to flesh it out because I think there's beauty in enjoying the process too of you just researching it or taking your time or like making an edit and then going back and maybe scrapping that or really just fleshing it all out so that it's really great when you do launch it. I live off the process it's usually where the fun is at and when the final result is done it's just like you get that sense of relief but at the same time I kind of miss doing the whole thing so yeah or sometimes you're in the thick of it and you're like holy shit why did I do this to myself and then once it's all done then you're like oh I want to go back to that moment when I literally wanted to pull out my hair and I hated my life I know (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to support is by liking, following, rating, or reviewing on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am entirely grateful to those that have already left a review or have reached out to me. I'm always open to chatting on Instagram, so hit me up at Her Defined Podcast. Today's episode has been produced by yours truly, Juliana Dallacosta, and edited by Carolina with Swell Podcasting. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for another episode to hear her stories, hear her advice, hear her defined. Defined.